On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, SGA has a phenomenal, incredible third quarter. We'll dive into it. Jalen Williams gets more aggressive, and that injury bug is biting OKC as they fall late to Minnesota again. But the season series wraps up between the Timberwolves and Thunder. We'll recap it all right now on the Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Online. we are going to dive into yet another close loss for the Oklahoma City Thunder SGA. As an epic third quarter, Jalen Williams is more aggressive. Eugenio Marui absolutely loves the City Edition jerseys. Plus, is there a way for the NBA to fix their officiating? And Trey Mann continues to lack minutes. Plus, we're going to hit on Aaron Williams and Josh Giddy as well. Plus, how this game just unfolded overall. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Let's start the way we always do. With our game overview, Chet Holmgren out for the season. Usman Jang out at least six weeks with a wrist injury. Same wrist he hurt in Summer League, but different injury, uh, not related. Kenny Hustle out with that knee sprain. Jeremiah Robinson Earl out with an ankle sprain. He's considered week to week. Uh, I would assume that Kenny Hustle is, you know, is listed at day to day, but aren't we all? Kenny Hustle was out there warming up before the game, which is a good sign in terms of the the plan to play or or progression to play program, if you will, whenever he's out there taking some warm-ups in front of the home crowd. Darius Baisley had a non-COVID illness, which popped up on Friday, which obviously limits them with all the other injuries. Mark, after the game, said he's pretty sick, so that does not sound promising to play tomorrow. Uh, Jalen Williams was a DNP CD, and maybe the coaches just feel like he's not ready at this point. I mean, with all these injuries and he's still not playing, I think that there's just a program that the Thunder have in mind for him that they're not going to deviate from no matter the circumstances. And you you have to respect putting what you think is best for the player over just throwing him into the fire uh, in a random game like this just due to injury. For the Timberwolves, they were without Rudy Gobert, Carlington Towns, and D'Lo. The Thunder start out with SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, and Poku. However, Wiggins ends up playing more minutes than Lou Dort because Lou Dort left with a sprained wrist. That's a quick turnaround. No matter how severe the sprain wrist is or isn't, it's a quick turnaround to play again tomorrow against Memphis. So I would assume he's not going to play, but we'll have to wait and see the injury report, which of course will come out later because it's back-to-back. They don't have to report it until, I believe it's about 1 o'clock local time. So about 2.30, you should see the report come in for if these players really want to play in this game against Memphis. The biggest storyline from this game, I think, is the third quarter and is SGA's third quarter more specifically. SGA drops 23 third quarter points, two assists in the quarter, a rebound, a steal, 
Seven for seven at the free throw line, 63% from the floor, never left the floor in that third quarter. That third quarter featured a closing sequence where SGA knocks down this incredibly tough mid-range jumper. The Thunder get a steal in the inbound, kick it back out to Wiggins, who knocks down a buzzer-beating three, and the crowd just erupted. And it wasn't even a, a, a tremendous crowd out there at the Paycom Center. We got to do a lot better as Thunder fans getting out to the Paycom Center. Uh, but still, everyone collectively just losing their mind on the Wiggins three where the Thunder take the lead. It's the buzzer beater going into the fourth quarter. The lights go out and it turns all blue in there. It's just an epic atmosphere. And uh, it was probably the loudest it's been this season so far in the Paycom Center uh, for that moment. That was a heck of a sequence by OKC. SGA finishes with 35 points, seven rebounds, in the game, five assists in the game, a steal, shot 47% from the floor, three for five from three, 10 of 12 at the line. Did a phenomenal job as always, splitting the defense, getting to the rim, just these difficult mid-range jumpers that I just have no idea how they go in. So many great passes and spray outs and bounce passes inside to the low block for an easy layup. Just showed his overall good playmaking in this game and improved playmaking. I mean, it's it's genuine. Like SGA this season has improved in literally every area of his game besides his three-point percentage. Other than that, playmaking is up. Rim finishing's up. Mid-range is up. Defense is up. Playmaking, every, everything is up for him. It's all trending up. Scoring, free throw uh, you know, rate, it's all up. Percentage and getting to the free throw line, both of them are up uh, you know, in, in, this, in this season. Now, the Thunder, once again, shows you how important spacing is because they went on a little bit of a nice offensive flow whenever they put guys like Joe and Wiggins and Lindy and Muscala all out there at the exact same time. And that is another bittersweet moment of the season, kind of, because the Thunder needs shooting around Shea. They understand that they need shooting around Shea. It's why they hire Chip England. It's why they draft a guy in, in um, Chet Holmgren who shot 40% from three in college. You know, J-Dub has good... Uh, three-point projections on, of what he could be in the future. Uh, Usman Jang, of course, uh, could be a shooter. Who knows what, what he's going to turn into in the future. Like They've invested in the in, in the jump shot category for the last couple of seasons. They bring in Isaiah Joe four days before the season starts because he's a guy that, you know, with with the help of former Sixers, you know, front office member uh, Roseman coming into the Thunder organization this offseason, he kind of targeted Isaiah Joe as a guy that can shoot like, they understand that they need shooting and they're going to continue to build on upon shooting. And why it's bittersweet is you have a guy in Chet Holmgren who's going to shoot 40% from three in college and is going to shoot very well from three in the NBA sitting on the bench hurt. Uh, you have another 2023 first round pick in a draft class that is loaded with shooting talent. So you're likely going to spend it on a guy that can actually shoot from beyond the arc. That's two different guys. You're going to add back to this lineup that can really space the floor and really help you shoot. You see the progression from Josh Giddy from beyond the arc, one for four tonight. But the the overhaul that he's seen from beyond the arc, despite only working with Shippingland for half an off season so far, because you can't really tweak your shot in season, like that that is so encouraging for the future of his game. And the Thunder understand they need to invest in shooting. They're going to invest in shooting, and the, and the lineups that have shooting around Shea are just excellent lineups. And at the end of the game, he had to intentionally miss a free throw at the end. And Mark said that that was Mark's call that Mark you know, told SGA to miss the free throw because the team didn't have a timeout left. And so Mark explained, had they had a timeout left, he would have just had Shea make the free throw, they foul, uh, put Minnesota on the line, and they, then they call a timeout advance the ball. But since they couldn't advance the ball after the foul, 
He thought it was best to just miss the free throw. Hope that you get it back. Kind of the, the old Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams play. You know, obviously it didn't work out that way. And so that's when Mark's after the game, I asked Shay. Uh, so I asked Shay after the game, I said, Hey, you know, have you ever practiced missing a free throw? Like, have you ever worked on that at all in, in your career at practice at whatever it is? And he said, no. And then he kind of laughed and said, I've never practiced missing a free throw before. And it showed, it showed. That's the one thing that Shay can't do. Shay cannot intentionally miss a free throw uh, very well. Did not get the good carom, if you will, after the, uh, after the game was over, uh, Shea was great with that answer. And I just, it's a tough spot, right? It's a tough situation to be in um, because, you know, if you intentionally miss it and don't get it back, you, you missed it for no reason. The Thunder still had to try to go to the, end of the floor and it ends with a Josh Giddy, you know, half court shot that could have, you know, that without intentionally missing, you might've had a millisecond more um, to, to kind of work the ball and make an extra pass, maybe off of the Giddy rebound on the missed free throw, who knows what could have happened. I, I understand the explanation from Mark, and I think that that's a very valid one. And I, think, and I think that it just shows how calculated each and everything is. This is not going to be a, a, a tried-and-true strategy for Mark. It's going to be, hey, do I have timeouts left? How does my team do running the, running the length of the floor and getting a set three-point shot? Like All of these things go into it, and it was just so happy to be best for the team to intentionally miss the free throw, but that's the update on how that all unfolded. Let's talk Jalen Williams' aggression. Let's talk how he played in this game overall, playing in multiple uh, roles on the offensive end. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at the Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over campaign. Look, let's just say you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting a few drinks back. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's, it's no big deal. What are the odds that you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of drunk driving, but the results are often tragic and deadly. However, that still does not stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive for a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It takes one mistake to change your life and or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Also want to say right now, but your friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is incredible. It is a daily fantasy app that is made easy for you. It's it's awesome to use. You can go there right now on the app, PrizePix or PrizePix.com, and download the app or go to the website. You get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars on the promo code Locked On. So check them out today. What it is is you know, in typical daily fantasy sports, right? You get into these pool of players, and you don't know who they are, and they could be people that are just just snakes, and they go in there, and they spend their whole life getting these formulas and, and, and these numbers and everything to dictate who the best matchups will be. None of that stuff happens at Price Picks. What Price Picks is, is it's just you versus the projected numbers. So let's say tomorrow night in Memphis, against Memphis in Oklahoma City, SGA over under 20 points. You say, hey, I think he's going to score 21 or more points. You just bet the over, and you sit back, watch, see what happens, and if he does hit the over, you win. So go to pricepicks.com right now or the app. Use the code Locked On for 100% deposit match guarantee up to $100, and check them out today, pricepicks.com and the Pricepicks app. 
We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast for the games that matter most and the biggest stories in sports go beyond the box score and behind the scenes with local experts and insight that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today Available on this app that you're listening to right now, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast from, just like the Lockdown Thunder podcast is, is. So go subscribe to us on YouTube, comment on YouTube, like on YouTube, and everything else that you want to say. Now, comment on YouTube right now and tell me what you think about SGA's third quarter. What were your feelings heading into the fourth quarter? Jalen Williams, a lot more aggressive in this game, and he had to do a lot of different stuff. So in this game overall, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists. Now, here's the thing. I've been talking a lot about each half shot attempts for Jalen Williams. And in this game, there's no different. Seven first half shots, three free throws. And that's all in the first half. In the second half, one shot and one free throw trip. And before the game, Mark talked about the different spectrum of players. And it's kind of like a number line. And on the left side of the number line, you have players who just want to fit in, players who just want to blend in with your team. On the right side of your number line, you have players who are just ultra, ultra, ultra aggressive. I'm going to go get a bucket. I am better than you. I'm going to go initiate and and get mine. And what you want them to meet at is in the middle. That's where you want them to be. And so Mark talked about how J-Dub is an ultra fit-in guy. And a guy like Lou Dort is an ultra aggressive guy. And you want to respect, you know, respectively push them toward the middle and pull them toward the middle. And so for Jada, that's getting more aggressive. With Lou Dort, that's kind of fitting in more than being ultra aggressive. And I thought that was a good way to 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 explain it whenever he was talking about these two players, but also just just NBA life in general, because every NBA player falls into one of those two categories. You either lean closer to an, an ultra aggressive guy or lean closer to an ultra team fit in, don't make waves guy. And for Jadab, I think that he's going to get there. I think he's going to get closer to the middle, and I think that he can even go from the middle to a little bit into the green area of aggressive. Because of the personality that we're seeing off the floor, I think that you know that personality is going to translate eventually to him being somebody who's aggressive. And you saw that in this game, and I want to point out that it's not just the shot attempts in general. Now, now the last few games, it's been just the shot attempts. This game, though, despite the shot attempts looking the same, you know, one, one half is... is, is you know, five, six, seven shots. The other half is one shot. Despite that, he still was more aggressive because he was asked to be in that lead ball handler role for certain stretches of this game, which I hope continues to happen because I'm about process over results. Now, Jadab got ripped three times. He had four turnovers, but I still want to see more of him being the main ball handler in the pick and roll and the main ball handler whenever there's no share giddy minutes uh, and he kind of leads the way. Overall, this game, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists. He had a nasty t- uh, tomahawk slam where he just, whew, he got up there on that dunk. 0 for 3 from 3, but I like the confidence to keep pulling it. Uh, so J-Dub had a really good game and was more aggressive despite the same trend with his first and second half shot attempts. Uh, Aaron Wiggins finally got more runway. Um, in this game, he played 27 minutes. So for people like me who have been complaining about the lack of Aaron Wiggins minutes, Wiggins got 27 minutes in this game. He scored 14 points, six rebounds, and assists. Went two for five um, shooting from three, 54% from the floor. 
really high IQ player and just makes winning plays. You know, it, it's it's like the Tim Tebow run, like the magical Tim Tebow run in, in Denver. You can't truly describe it. You're just you're just left saying he's a winner. With Wiggins, like he can score at all three levels. He can facilitate. You know, whenever if you need him to, or or, or if you don't want to go as far as a facilitator or playmaker, you, you can say he keeps the offense in rhythm. He keeps the offense in flow. He's not a ball stopper. Defensively, plays his role very well on defense. Like he plays really good defense. This is a guy that just wins games. He knows when to make the extra pass. He knows when to pull the contested shot. He knows when to cut. He knows when to do everything. He just knows and is aware of his surroundings and is aware of when and why you should do certain things, get certain looks. And he just has an understanding of the game that I think is, is pretty rare. So Wiggins got that longer runway, made winning plays, and of course hit that buzzer beating three down the stretch. Josh Giddy had a double-double again, 11 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 50% from the floor, 1 for 4 from 3. Ooh, he had this beautiful spinning baseline floater that I absolutely will watch 50 million times before tomorrow's game. He had the amazing pass, which set up uh, the backdoor cutting J-Wheel, I mean J-Dub, uh, Tomahawk slam that we talked about before. The spinning pass where it looked like he was dead to rights and, and going to spin into a turnover and then just beautifully finds J-Dub. I, th- I think that that comes from a lot of different avenues. So the first one is just Josh Giddey's sure passing ability. Like, you, if you can't make that pass, it doesn't matter. So he has to be able to make that pass, and he did. The second avenue is, of course, J-Dub cutting to the rim and, and, and understanding, hey, my guy's in trouble, i got to go cut. The third thing is, though, and why I think that this is going to be um, something that you can bank on moving forward is just familiarity with each other and 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 understanding where and when guys are going to be, where they're going to be, and when to expect to pass. So I, I don't think that this play can happen, despite these two things being true. Josh Giddy's an excellent passer, and Jalen Williams is a great cutter. Despite those two things being true all season long, I don't think that this could have happened in October because you just don't have that timing down. Because To make this work, like go back and watch that pass. It was not just a fancy, incredible pass. It was on the money and if it's if it's a second later or a second earlier, there's no there's no anything. It goes out of bounds. It's over. It's a turnover. To get that connection comes with playing time together, comes with practices together, and so as they continue to get more comfortable, you can start to see the Thunder utilize those cuts from from J J Dub, those those passes from Josh Giddy, maybe even see some pick and roll with J Dub and Josh Giddy or pick and pop whatever it is. That'd be you know, insanely cool to see, but you're starting to see this team get more familiar with each other. And so they can make plays like that as a unit. And the interesting part of the fun part is all these guys are going to be here for the next nine, eight, seven, five years. Like think about the entire core of this team. You're either on a five-year deal or a nine-year deal or anywhere in between. Like this is going to be a long time coming and growing and understanding each other's game. And I think that this was a good example of it. This play of Josh Giddy and J-Dub. Eugenio Marui, I'm going to say he loves the City Edition uniforms. I didn't want to ask him this silly question after a loss, so I didn't truly ask him if he loves the City uniforms. I say that because, Eugene, awful stretch entering tonight. We can all admit he'd admit awful stretch. But tonight, 21 minutes, only two missed shots, one inside, one outside the arc. So 75% overall from shooting. Uh, Five rebounds, an assist, three steals, 14 points. Eugenio Marui. In the Friday night City Edition uniforms at home, 36 points. 
Eugene Marui in all other Thunder uniforms, 38 points. Makes you think. It was cool, though. Eugene played played his role uh, fairly well. Was using this in the center role in a lot of lineups, which I think is a it's a tough look for him in terms of like he's put in a bad spot, but he's scrapping, he's trying his hardest. That's really all you can ask for. But overall, fine game from Eugene Omarui, uh, especially after that blistering cold stretch that he just was on after being recalled from the G League. But I, I want to reiterate, it is difficult to go back and forth and play with different teammates and, and get reintegrated into the team. The Thunder do a great job of trying their best to make that seamless by keeping terminology the same, keeping play style the same, keeping all these different averages the same, but you can't quite simulate playing with these different players and, and, and the different pace of an NBA game versus a G League game, etc. So uh, I think that it was a good sign for him, from him to um, play this way, but of course the, the, the cold stretch had a little bit to do with just kind of getting readjusted to NBA life versus G League life. I'm going to tell you right now, very good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is incredible, folks. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all sports uh, betting info, stats, news, breakdowns. Get the latest odds and trends in every professional and amateur league out there, from pro and college football to pro and college basketball, World Cup, whatever you want. It's there at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, they're there as well at BetOnline.net. And it's the fastest and best way to bet on all of your sport action. Bet online is where the game starts. You can bet on tonight's Thunder Memphis game. The Thunder are seven point underdogs at home against Memphis. Go bet on that game as well. Other nice games to bet on New Orleans and the Suns. They're playing again. Goodness gracious. That's the, that's the cool version of Thunder Wolves. Like Thunder Wolves have played four times already and their season series is over, but it was Thunder Wolves. The Pelicans and Suns playing all these games in a row is awesome because they have these incredible games whenever they play together. Uh, so the Pelicans are actually three-point dogs in uh, in Phoenix on Saturday, so go check that out as well. But check out BetOnline and go there right now because BetOnline is where the game starts. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen. Subscribe for free on YouTube and any other podcasting platforms that you are on. And now let's talk Trey Mann. Only played seven minutes. Seven minutes, 0 for 2 from the floor, two assists, two rebounds. Now, he was a little hobbled a bit after that three-point attempt where he landed on the floor and he was kind of walking a little bit gingerly and and kind of rubbing his ankle a little bit. But no one ever mentioned that as an injury. Like, the PR staff didn't on Twitter and Mark didn't say it post-game. Like, I don't think he's injured. I think that that was just kind of a a thing to watch for for tomorrow's injury or report in general. So this just seems like, yet again, another game in which he didn't get minutes. And... He is on a terrible spell right now for him. And the question becomes what to do. And I don't envy Sam Presti and Mark who have to make these decisions. On one hand, yes, yeah, send him to the blue. Let him light it up in the blue and get right in the blue. They're going to go to the G League showcase on the 19th. Like, let him go to Vegas. Uh, let him get right with OKC Blue. That's one option. Another option is you sit him down there and before he even gets there, he views it as a demotion and you lose him. You just totally lose him. The next option is he goes down there, tries to accept that role, and he fails in the blue, and then you lose him again. Like So 
the fourth option would be just keeping in the, in the NBA, bouncing in and out of the rotation, and you just hope that eventually one game you'll see one go in. And as a shooter, you see a couple go in in, in, in you know, a random game on Sunday, and all of a sudden on Wednesday you're playing a lot better. There, there's really four options here. And I can justify the Thunder keeping him up in, the, in Oklahoma City with, a, with the NBA team and also sending him to the blue. I, I can justify either one. And those are the toughest decisions to make. When you can justify either side of the coin, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of. So uh, that, that's kind of how I view the Trey Mann situation. I also want to talk about the officials real quick. I, I, I obviously don't talk about the officials very much, uh, but I just wonder after two straight games of tough calls down the stretch that, that impacted the game and impacted who won this game. Oklahoma City players are obviously underrated. They're not going to get superstar calls. They're not going to get the favor of the whistle besides SGA. SGA draws a ton of fouls, a top three in the league in drawing fouls. He'll get a ton of calls. No one else will. The Thunder also get the least experienced NBA crews of any NBA team, you know, bottom five crew, you know, bottom five team in terms of getting experienced crews. But what what can the NBA do to fix this? Because I totally get the Thunder not getting experienced crews. Like it's just the way the business works where else are you going to get these guys experience, right? Like you can talk down the thunder or, or comment about how, well, of course the NBA is going to give the thunder these, well, they've got to figure out a way to get them experience somehow. And you're not going to put them on ABC uh, Saturday night. And so the thunder who don't play on ABC Saturday night are going to get these guys, you know, some, some run, you know, these people, some run. My question is though, how can it be fixed? Number one, I think fixing challenge goes a long way in this. Granted, the Thunder lost their challenge tonight, so this is not about tonight's game. It's about in general. If you win your challenge, you should get a challenge back. You should not just retain the timeout, retain the challenge as well. Also, I think under two minutes, contact and fouls should be a replay trigger for referees. Why are we worried about pace of play? Why are we worried about time spent watching or, or at the game or playing the game at the cost of the product, at the cost of who wins and who loses at the cost of the competition. The NBA goes incredibly fast. The NBA is the fastest professional league out there. They can afford to have a couple reviews in the last two minutes of a game if it will turn around who wins the contest. Thunder are now on a five-game losing streak when they could have been on a two-game winning streak if you have these automatic reviews. And... We'll see. You know, the, the last two-minute report came out after the Miami game saying that the Thunder should have had the free throws at the end with the Josh Giddy pushing the back. Um, what does that do? What does that matter? I mean, it's great to take accountability for it. It's better than the alternative. And again, it's the, it's the NBA being put in a spot where, you know, they're, they're in a rock and a hard place. Either they take accountability for it and you still yell at them or they dodge accountability. They don't ever admit that they were wrong you dog them for that. So it's just in a catch 22 here with, with how the officiating goes in the NBA. But I think that the quick fixes would be keep your challenge. If you win in under two minutes, anything is reviewable. If the officials deem it's worthy, if the officials say, you know, we might've missed that, you know, we, there might be more time left on the clock. You know, let's go look at that again. They should be able to not just on who the ball was last out on, on anything. Because the NBA has won pace of play. They've won the fastest sports league. They've won the social media league. Right? That's the beauty of the NBA. You've already won the younger demographic as, as everyone besides the NFL struggles to do that. Like the NBA and NFL 
Well, the only ones that can win the younger demographic. So at the cost of who wins and loses these games, we're worried about, oh, let's not have too many reviews. It's just silly to me. And maybe, you know, that's just off of these two ref games, but I, I don't think that these are unreasonable requests for the NBA to do. So the Thunder loses game. Uh, the the Timberwolves once led by 14 points. OKC once led by five. There were 14 lead changes in this game. 10 times tied. OKC had two more rebounds. The Thunder turned the ball over 22 times compared to the Timberwolves' just 16 turnovers. However, the Thunder were on the right side of the wrong side, if you will. I've been pointing this out the last couple of games, but this time it benefits the Thunder. Despite committing more turnovers, the Thunder won points off turnovers 29 to 25. The Thunder also won points in the paint by four points. They also won second chance points by two points. They also won fast break points 12 to 8. The Thunder shot 46, 29, 81. The Wolves shot 49, 48, 56. The Wolves made 12 threes. Oklahoma City made 11. The Thunder lost the first quarter by two. Once again, it's the second quarter that dooms them, losing by 11. And then in the third quarter, the Thunder once again dominate to the tune of 41, 25 in the third frame. But in the fourth quarter, the Wolves outlast OKC, 24 to 19. By the day, Minnesota wins the bet at plus four and a half. MVP of the game is SGA. Now, here's what's going to come up. Uh, so Saturday night into Sunday morning, obviously, we're going to recap the Memphis game. I'm going to give you my hottest take ever in your mailbag on Monday because Friday, uh, a thunderstorm took out the internet. So I didn't get internet back until Friday night whenever I got back from the um, Wolves game, which is how you're going to hear me right now on this, on this recap podcast. But I will have that episode out for you on Monday. Tuesday, going to do the Portland recap of the first Portland game. And we're going to be here for you Monday through Friday, including after every game. So subscribe, 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 because we're here for you Monday through Friday and after every single game. Subscribe on YouTube, very important. Subscribe on any other podcasting platform out there that you enjoy. And also, follow me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good, and be good to one another.